This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 180. Why do we assume that higher house prices equals good? By Ramit Sethi of IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. And welcome everybody, I'm Dan, your host and narrator of this show. And this is of course where I read to you from some of the best personal finance blogs on the planet, and I do it every Monday through Friday. And since it's Friday, I'm gonna give you a break today, and I'm gonna get right into the post as we optimize your life. Why do we assume that higher house prices equals good? By Ramit Sethi of IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. If the price of toothpaste or a burrito dropped 20%, most of us would be thrilled. So why is it considered a catastrophe when housing prices drop? Last week, I asked you to identify the cultural assumption in a screenshot that said, quote, home prices falling, but getting better, end quote. Here's what I was thinking of. Isn't it funny how home prices falling is assumed to be a bad thing? You never know how American your assumptions are until you go to another country. That's because in the United States, we've been systematically taught that housing is a good investment and that prices must go up. Ask your parents why they bought their house. One of the top three reasons will almost certainly be it was a good investment. Yet I've shown very clearly that for many people in many situations, it is not. In fact, housing is often a terrible investment. Yet the illusion persists, whether it's my friend wanting to buy a million dollar house with no research, or people saying things like, I wish I'd bought more real estate after incurring a paltry 1.2% return rate over several decades. As a result, you get media reports that implicitly echo the cultural assumption that housing is a good investment. The way they describe the housing market, oops, housing recovery, influences and reflects our cultural assumption. Another headline from a major national news publication said something similar. Interesting, it's a housing recovery when prices are getting expensive. Would you say that with toothpaste? Also interesting, why is it a painful decline when young people and other first-time buyers get more affordable housing? Alice in real estate. What if we discard the assumption? As Warren Buffett said in his 1997 chairman's letter to shareholders, quote, if you expect to be a net saver during the next five years, should you hope for a higher or lower stock market during that period? Many investors get this one wrong. Even though they are going to be net buyers of stocks for many years to come, they are elated when stock prices rise and depressed when they fall. This reaction makes no sense. Only those who will be sellers of equities in the near future should be happy at seeing stocks rise. Prospective purchasers should much prefer sinking prices." End quote. Why higher house prices equals good persists. Deep-seated beliefs like this exist for multiple reasons. What might some of them be? One, American culture believes that home ownership is a right that everyone should have. It's not. Two, since most newspapers are written by and read by older people whose wealth is predominantly and mistakenly tied up in their houses, it only makes sense that real estate prices should increase. As a result, you see words like recovery and crash rather than bargain. Three, Unlike toothpaste or other commodities, there are ancillary effects of changes in real estate prices. If one house price declines in a neighborhood, there are spillover effects that affect nearby houses. This is why neighbors and realtors will do anything to prevent a house from being sold at a low price, including throwing in things like cars and TVs instead of lowering the list price. Four, crooked organizations like the National Association of Realtors and banks use every trick in the book to prevent house prices from actively reflecting the market price. 
Remember how in chapter six of my book, I described example after example of how Wall Street firms use disingenuous tricks like survivorship bias to obscure how poorly performing most of their funds are? The same is true of real estate. Where there's lots of money in commissions, there's virtually always shady behavior, obscured facts, and whispered promises that never turn out to be true. In fact, this cultural expectation goes to the very highest levels of the U.S. government. In a speech, President Obama said, quote, This plan will not save every home, but it will give millions of families resigned to financial ruin a chance to rebuild, end quote. That's what the president told a crowd in one of the communities hardest hit by the housing crisis. Quote, It will prevent the worst consequences of this crisis from wreaking even greater havoc on the economy. And by bringing down the foreclosure rate, it will help to shore up housing prices for everyone, end quote. It's fascinating but unsurprising to hear the president's explicit goal is to shore up housing prices for everyone, and you could argue, maintain unaffordably high rates for most young people. It's not that simple. For young people, every time the market goes down, you should be cheering for your own individual finances. You can acquire investments at lower prices, and you have a long time for the market to grow. Yet paradoxically, lower housing prices do represent a clear risk to the American financial system, whose growth is predicated on consumer spending, which is in turn strongly influenced by housing prices. That's why this crisis is so serious and confusing. Just because virtually every media presentation decries the rapid decline in housing values doesn't mean that applies to you. Higher house prices equals good is a cultural assumption. You just listened to the post titled, Why Do We Assume That Higher House Prices Equals Good? by Ramid Sethi of IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. And that is gonna wrap up this week's episodes. If you wanna show some support for this podcast, there are many different ways you can do it, uh, financially or otherwise. So we put up a list of very helpful things that you can do over at oldpodcast.com slash support. And anything listed there goes a long way to keep this podcast going. So again, just visit oldpodcast.com slash support, or you can visit oldpodcast.com and uh, find the how to help page. Thanks for listening to another week of Optimal Finance Daily. I'll, of course, be back with more posts for you next week. So have a great weekend, and I will see you all on Monday where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this podcast, but also Optimal Living Daily, the show where I read to you from even more blogs covering finance, productivity, minimalism, personal development, and more from incredible bloggers like Derek Sivers, Zen Habits, Mark and Angel, The Minimalists, and all the ones you hear on this show too. So if you enjoyed today's episode and like taking amazing blogs on the go, come on over to Optimal Living Daily and subscribe to that one too. And together, we'll start optimizing your life. You've been listening to Optimal Finance Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your optimal life awaits.